mic check. Good evening. Okay, that's fine. It's okay. It's the last Sunday. It's the last Sunday of November. Amen? Amen. Oh, there you go. Expert, expert took care of it. Thank you for the end. Uh, children, you are dismissed to your Sunday school classrooms. Um, as the children and their Sunday school teachers make their way to their classrooms, if you do have a cell phone, please make sure they are turned off right now or on silent mode because uh, the only call that you will get in this church is Jesus and he doesn't need your cell phone. <laughs> All right. Please, uh, let's see this. I entitled our message, Full Body Workout. The Full Body Workout. We're still in our journey in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. We're going to be tackling chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. I know we're taking our time as we journey along these verses because I believe as, as I continue to study them, there, there's so many things that we could easily miss because we want to get to the next chapter, which is what we do in, on our quiet time, right? If you're all going to be honest, we're all going to be honest. We look at our devotion and we're like, I need to get this done real fast because I got to do laundry. Um, so the verse that we're going to be tackling is, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Speaking about Jesus Christ. Please join me in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for giving us this opportunity to gather both in person and online. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, hinder you from hearing our prayers. Teach us once again, Lord God, by your Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of our hearts that we may see and accept whatever it is that you want us to learn and see, Father. Give us wisdom, Lord God. Open and enlighten our minds that we may comprehend your message by the use of your holy word. Anoint my lips, Lord God, and bless me. Bless my preparation and supersede it. Father, I am merely your vessel. May your Holy Spirit be the one to speak to everyone who, are, who is listening to this message. Father, despite they may hear, that they hear my, my voice, I pray that they will hear your voice in their hearts and their minds. Oh, Father, hear our prayers. We humbly ask all of this in your Son's mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name we pray. Amen. So if you, if you search, if you type in in your search, um, full body workout or total body workout, you will find 1.6 billion results. 1.6 billion results. That's how many people have uh, wanted to interject their opinion on how you can actually obtain or do a full body workout. Many organizations and businesses have sponsored certain trainers, certain individuals want to get in the game. Whether their exercise or their regimen is true or not, whether it's for profit or not, whether accurate or not, you will find 1.6 billion programs available if you wanted to do a full body workout. Now, the concept of a full or total body workout is defined 
as defined in lifefitness.com.au. It, it, it says here, a full body workout is just what it sounds like. A workout that aims to hit all the major muscle groups in one single session. Popular programs would include exercise, exercise for back, legs, chest, shoulders, arms, and core. You want to get the biggest and hardest exercises done for the biggest muscle stimulation in a short period of time. Now, sadly, we believers, we also want a full spiritual body workout in a short period of time. I say sadly because there is no such thing. If we're all going to be honest, whether it's in the financial world, the physical world, or the spiritual world, there is no shortcuts. I mean, shortcuts are offered, but those shortcuts, most of the time, are short-lived, if it's even possible. Anything that is worth having, you have to work hard for it. Like marriages. Marriages, for the pe people that are married, we know that it's not easy to stay married. We smile and smirk at the young people that are on their way to marriages. And we say, I hope they're praying. <laughs> or the people that are going through trouble in their marriages and, and, and we're praying that they make it through it. The line that we say is, they don't even know how hard of a trial we went through. Whatever they're going through is not even hard. But people, it, it's appealing for all of us, for human beings. It's very appealing that we get to do something that's really worth it in a short period of time and a small amount of effort. That's why a full body workout, a full body workout is, 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 is popular. And that's what we want to do. Get your core six pack in six minutes. <laughs> now, to still in the sense of it, to strengthen only one part of the body. Now, let's say let's say a full body workout is true. It, it's important that you work out the full body, because to work out one part of your body will not make sense, because if if the rest of your body is weak. Let's say you have big biceps and but small legs and no chest. You look like a turkey, right? So you, you, you want to be strong and healthy. You want your entire body to be strong and healthy. However, the most important factor in getting the body in shape and strengthened is the decision. Right? We have 1.6 billion available workouts available for you. Some of most of them I'm pretty sure is free for you to use. But in your mind, if your mind is not made up, is not made up to actually do the work, it doesn't matter if this becomes 2.6 billion next year. If you don't access the exercise, if you don't actually make the decision and do the exercise, nothing will happen. For those of us who have gotten um, gym memberships, and then we never went to the gym. Did we actually get in shape or did we just add a bill in our monthly? Now, this is all also true spiritually. Just as we read in those two verses, the conclusion of Paul's prayer for the faithful Ephesian church, 
he concludes on a tremendously high note that the church is the body of Christ and that Christ is the head of the church. That is what we're going to be learning tonight. So easily we have two points. Christ is the head of the church and the church is the body of Christ. So to our first point. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Now the background of this during Jesus' time, in Paul's time, they truly knew what it meant. Because during the olden times, when a, a king conquers another kingdom, when they become victorious, they would grab the defeated king and they would ask them to, to, to kneel down or lie down in front of the, the victorious king and the king will step, will step on, on the head of the defeated king, signifying that all has been lost for the king that's on the ground and everything has been gained by the one stepping on his head. This is the significance. This is why Paul said it, that he put all things under his feet and gave him, speaking about Jesus, gave him to be head over all things to the church. Another thing, another clarification here is that this church also heed to this, to this verse. The head of FICF, is not me, it's not our emeritus Pastor Charles or anybody in the elder, the elders. It is Jesus Christ. We are all merely the parts of his body doing the calling that he has given to all of us. In Psalm 8, chapter 8, verse 6, he reads, You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. You know, it, dominions, powers, we, we tackled this last week, but, but, but re, let me review it again for you, for us. So our God is powerful, amen? And He has given all authority to Jesus Christ, who is now, as we have read, is the head of the church. Now, our head is Jesus Christ, a powerful, the most powerful being in the entire universe. Now, when we read here that he has put all things, all things, what does that mean? All things. Does it mean, does it mean dominions? Does it mean powers, addictions? Yes, right? Our problems? Does it mean that he has defeated pornography? If you have struggle in pornography? Does it mean if you have struggle in, 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 in gossiping? God has put all things, those things under his feet. How about depression? Because it says all things. How about your meanness? How about your temper? How about your sadness? How about your laziness? Whatever it is that you can't get over, God has put those things under his feet. Somebody say amen. Because that's the truth. That's the truth. Whether we like it or not, that's the truth. The head of our church, Jesus Christ, has put all the things that we struggle with under His feet. He has defeated those things. Now, just like, just like the programs, the full body workout programs, 1.6 of them, it would not do you any good if you don't exercise and actually do at least one of them. Now, it's the same thing with us. 
It will not do you any good if you do not surrender to the head of this church. The head of this church is Jesus Christ. If you don't submit to His authority, if you don't submit to His truth and accept everything that He has said in the Bible, whether you believe it, whether you agree with it or not, you have to. You have to believe that He has overcome these things. You know, someone will say, but my problem is overwhelming, Joe. It, it, now, let me ask you, is it more overwhelming than the waves that threatened to drown the disciples? Is it? Remember this? In Matthew 14, 24 to 26, I actually struggled. I wanted this to be our backdrop. But I, I, as I was driving, I called John John. I go, please remove it. It's, it's bothering me. <laughs> let me just read the, the virtual fast. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land for a, a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. No, nothing. I say nothing is over Jesus' head. Meaning, Nothing has escaped it. Nothing escapes God's head. He knows everything. He knows it and He has the power to stop it if it is, it is according to His will. If it is according to His will that you suffer the consequences of your sin, then well, let it be so. But if it is His will that He gives you grace, that you escape the consequences of your sin, then you will have grace and mercy. Nothing escapes. It reminds me of two brothers. Two brothers who were really rambunctious. Nine-year-old and eleven-year-old brothers. Let's just name him Jeff and Gerard. <laughs> Let's name him Jeff and Gerard. Those brothers, they were really rambunctious. And they were stealing. They, were, they, they, they loved to steal from stores. And you know what? They decided to also steer, steal from their church. Now the pastor found out that they were stealing stuff. And as they were running away from, from the treasury department, the pastor stopped Gerard, the youngest one. And he said, Gerard, do you know where God is? Do you know where God is? Basically trying to tell the kid that God is everywhere, right? Gerard starts shaking. He said, it's like, I don't, no, I don't. And he started running and started crying. And he went in his room and he won't go out. It's been a day and his brother Jeff was worried about it. He goes in there and he goes, Gerard, what's going on? Why are you not coming out? He goes, well... The pastor, the pastor, I, I, I guess we lost God. And now they're going to blame us that we took him. I guess I butchered that. You know, It sounded better when I was reading it. Nothing escapes Jesus' head. Nothing. Jesus is in absolute control of every situation. May it be financial May it be physical, may it be relational, may it be vocational or parental. That covers our entire lives, right? All of that. Jesus is in full control of all his people's business. Whatever might seem to be rolling your way and it, you're ready to sink your boat and it's ready to sink your boat and wipe you out. You know what? That's already under Jesus' feet. It's under His feet because He's already defeated it. Whatever, if, if you look at this verse, 
the, the disciples were on their way to another mission trip in obedience to what Jesus has said. Let's go to the other side. They would think, typically us, when we follow God, we think that it should be a smooth sailing, majority of us. Very few of us expect the attacks from the enemy. Because most of us, we think, so long as I'm following God, I'll be okay. You know, there are times that when we follow God, most of the time, it's a smooth sailing. But there are many times also that when we're, when we're following God in the journey that He has given to us, in the calling that He has, has called us to do, trouble comes. But the guarantee is this, that Jesus has overcome that challenge, that trial. He has done it all. He has paid for it. The most important thing that He has done for us is our eternal life. To pay for the sins that we have committed against Him. He had made sure that it is paid for. Colossians 1.18, again Paul telling the church, in, in, he told the Ephesian church and now he's telling the Colossian church that he, speaking of Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. In our physical life, no matter how strong the rest of your body is, Let's say you have Arnold Schwarzenegger and his prime body. But then all of a sudden you lose your head. You get decapitated because you went, you went to the Middle East. You start sharing the gospel. They caught you, you. They cut your head off. You think your big biceps will help you? <laughs> Knowing that Jesus was given all authority. All authority. And Jesus is the head of the body. It should give us the body of Christ encouragement that our head will never die. Amen? Our head was, was, was our head, our head, Jesus Christ, was died on the cross, but he resurrected from the dead three days after being buried, proving that he is God. That is who our leader is. That is who our head is. That is the one that we follow. He is powerful. Now it serves that we know this and we believe this and we live by this conviction. We are not following a dead God. We are following a powerful, a holy, living God. But why are we Living a pitiful, defeated, non-productive, or unproductive life. Not glorifying God. When the head is cut off, the rest of the body dies. That's the truth. There's no, there's no other way. So it should, it should give us great peace that the head, the head that we are following, is alive and will never be killed. That he has been given all authority over Satan and, and Satan's uh, fallen angels. If, if Jesus says, no, don't touch him, that will not happen. Everything, God, everything is under God's control.
But it, it seems like us, for us, we, we, we want everything else to be lined up for how we think. Like, if this election, for some of us, for this, if this election turns out to be not what we were praying for, we have lost our peace. Is our peace relying on Air Force One? Or is it relying on John 3.16? Let it be relying on Jesus Christ, not on Air Force One. Because even if it's the one that you voted for, they can fail you. Continue with, with this backdrop. Now, shortly before dawn, Jesus went to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, folks, Jesus, when, when he was still here before the crucifixion, it, he was always quick to tell the disciples that they should be courageous because he is with them. And then everything should be okay. Now, folks, we have the Holy Spirit in us. If you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have peace in you. So they take courage. Jesus is in you. Think about it. Think about it. While the disciples were facing overwhelming waves that obviously threatened their well-being, they have probably drank some of that water. Water have come in their boats. The waves were just knocking their boat. Boat. The reality of drowning was very much evident. And then Jesus comes to them, approaches them, walking on water. The, the thing that was overwhelming them, Jesus was walking on it. The thing that they're fearing that will kill them, which is the water, Jesus was walking on top of it, defying gravity, and then showing them that He has put them under, He has put it under His feet. Christians, believers of the living Jesus Christ, He is the head of our church. Now, if you belong in the church of Jesus Christ, our Lord is telling you, do not be terrified. It is I. Take courage. Whatever it is that you're going through, you have to recognize that Jesus has put that problem of yours that seems to be overwhelming you. I hope that you will hear Jesus' voice saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Now to the second point. The church is the body of Christ. Which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Us believers are to experience the power of God. Amen. The same power that made Jesus Christ as the head of the church, Jesus Christ paid the supreme price to start and to build the church. He died for it. Therefore, God has given him supreme position over the church. This shows two important points. One, the church is called the body of Christ. If you belong to a church of Christ, you belong to the body of Christ. This is one of the Bible's most descriptive pictures of Jesus Christ and the church. 
the picture of the human body with Christ being the head and the church being the body of Christ. William Barclay, a theo theologian, he died in 1978, points out that this picture says something of an enormous value. Christ needs the church, and the church needs Christ. Christ needs the church, and the church needs Christ. There is no way that Christ can accomplish anything in this world right now if it's not for the believer, the person that I've surrendered his life to him, if, it, if that person does not obey him. Because Jesus will, God will not force us to obey him. He gives us that privilege and he gives us that free will to obey him and to be part of his work. Now, not, I mean, to say the obvious, if God really wants to accomplish something, he will. But when it comes to, to the advancement of the gospel in this world, He needs us. Jesus Christ needs us, believers. Now, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, Jesus needs you. Jesus needs you to live for Him. Jesus needs you to share the gospel for Him. Jesus designed, Jesus died for the church so that we, believers, can belong to the church and function for Jesus Christ. Some of you have some of you have accepted this truth and have lived for it. Some of you have believed the lie, this lie, that you don't need the church to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Some of you have accepted that truth. Or that lie, I should say. Because frankly, so in salvation, toward in, for salvation, you don't need the church for your salvation. You only need Jesus Christ. But for your sanctification, for your growth, you need to belong to a church that will guide you and help you, that you could be a blessing to, and they could be a blessing to you. The head cannot function without the body, nor can the body function without the head. The head dreams... It dreams dreams and plans plans. But a head, a mind by itself, is of no use. A head must have a body to carry out the plans so that the dream and plans can be realized. Christ came to bring the dream and plan of peace and reconciliation to a world of lost men. Men who were, who were alienated from God and from one another. Now the body, the church, must carry out the dream and plan, the message of peace in the power of Christ must be taken to men by the church. By the church. So I don't want to hear it anymore when you say, well, let it, bahala na si Lord. Filipinos are good with that. Bahala na si Lord. Oh, leave it up to God. Yes, everything is upon God. But the things that you have been called to do, that is on you. That is on you. What are the things that a believer has been called to do? Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And in, in Matthew 14, 28 to 30, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. 
And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. The point is this. If God has the power to create the church and to make Christ as the head of the church, then He has the power to make the body function and work for Christ. Amen? Some of you are not convinced. <laughs> and that's okay. I find it that five years of trying to convince you probably need another five years. God has the power to get us busy for the Lord. The power to help us in our witnessing, in sharing the gospel, praying for others, to power or to move us to proclaim the message of reconciliation and to minister to the desperate needs of a world lost and reeling under the weight of sin, darkness, starvation, disease, and suffering. Up to now, some of you think that you were just saved so you could just be comfortable with your own Christian life. That you can live in your own suburb home and get your salary and retire early. Some of you are convinced that you were saved to just live like that and not live for anyone else, especially Jesus Christ. Some of you have convinced yourself for that, with that. And then you wonder, I don't know why I don't have this deep connection with the Lord. Because you are so blinded with your selfishness, that you don't want to live for Christ. Yes, you come to church. Yes, you attend church every, every Sunday. But then coming, going in, a, you know, Alonzo started a, a gym in our garage. Our garage is now Alonzo's gym. <laughs> so Alonzo and Mateo are always in the garage. But that doesn't necessarily make them a car, right? Because what's in a car usually? Well, for Filipinos, balik buying boxes, right? But most of the time, it's cars, right? Being in the garage doesn't make you a car. Being in the church, physically, doesn't necessarily make you a believer of Jesus Christ. This is risky, but I'll take it. I'll do it. Some of you have come up here, accepted Jesus, and you think that was it. You think that was your destiny right there. That was it. That was it. You made it. And you've stopped. Some of you have joined the church and you said, that's it. I've done it. Then you stop coming to church. You come on an anniversary. Just to check off your attendance so you won't get out of the member roster. Now, is that what it is? We know it's not. But we have accepted the lie because we would rather be comfortable rather than be uncomfortable. Peter, Peter said, Lord, ask me to come to you and I will. Yes, he started sinking when he, start, when he took his focus away from Jesus. But the question is this, how about the 11 guys that were in the boat? Didn't they see Peter walking? Didn't they too hear Jesus said, don't, don't take courage. Don't be afraid. It is I. How come they didn't get out of the boat? Some of you will never get out of the boat, sadly. Because you saw Peter sinking. You hear of my struggles and you hear of the attacks that I'm going through. Or the other missionaries or the other pastors. And you don't want it. Oh Lord. Ugh. 
not my calling. Leave it up to them. Leave it to the professionals. Let them go through that. Now, if we believe in the same Jesus Christ, that calling to go and therefore make disciples of all nations, that's just that doesn't just go to me. That goes to all of you. Whenever you say, Jesus is Lord, go therefore and make disciples. You did not get saved so that you will have a comfortable life. You did not get saved so that you will be happy. That is not God's will for us. Now, after accepting Jesus Christ and then obeying all His commands, does that make our lives more comfortable than before? Yes. Does it give us a certain peace that we never had before? Yes. Does it give us a certain fulfillment? Because we're living for Jesus Christ. Yes. But don't make comfort your all in all. Don't make your happiness your all in all. Because you know what? That is your idol. That becomes your God. If your happiness, if your, if your, if your relationships become more important and then Jesus is the one to just bless it, Lord, please make sure I don't lose my wife or else I'll stop following you. Lord, please make sure that my children are, are kept safe or else I'll stop being a Christian. Lord, please help me retire early or else I'll stop being a Christian. When we step out of the boat, other than walking on water, it's actually really coming to Jesus Christ so that we can be near Him. That is, that is that for me, when I see Peter saying, Lord, ask me to come to you and I'll come. He didn't say, Lord, have me walk on top of water. No, Peter, Peter said, Lord, ask me to come to you. Have, you. have you asked that prayer? Have you said that prayer? Like you meant it. Have you meant that prayer? Maybe some of you have said that prayer, but you didn't mean it. Have you said this prayer? Lord, let me come to you. Let me, let, let me use me, Lord God. Let me live for you. Let me step out of the boat. Let me step out of my comfort zone. And let me, stop, let me start living for you. Second point is that the church completes all for Christ. Again, Barclay points out that the church is the instrument. Folks, we are the instrument through the fullness of Christ to fill all in all. Everything, meaning. Jesus Christ is working throughout the world and in human history to bring about God's plan for the world. What's that plan? To bring those whom He have called to Christ. He is working and fitting everything into its proper place bit by bit. And He is doing it through the church. The church is the instrument of God bringing His will about on earth. That is our job. That is our purpose, church. Again, the point is that God has the power to use the church and its believers to work out His eternal plan for the world. Now think about it. The church is the body upon the earth that God is using to work out human history. And you belong to that body. I don't know 
When was the last time you shared the gospel or you've ministered to someone or you have actually prayed for someone's health or, or salvation? I don't know. But that, that, is, that, is, that is how we become part of Christ's purpose. He is the head. We are part of the body. And we are to function according to His will. What is His will? That lost men will be saved through us. Through how we live our lives. Through how we share the gospel. Through how, how we are serving God. Not just serve me. Right? We, we need to get out of that. You know, the, it, attendance-wise, the saddest truth is this, as I find, I'm finding out as a pastor. Summertime, attendance of churches are low. Why? Because there's more, <laughs> there's a lot of things to do out there. Fun things to do out there. So what does that tell me somehow? When there's nothing to do and life is boring, they come to church. <laughs> when, there, when there's no football game, they come to church. When there's no basketball game, they come to church. When there's nothing else to do that the world is offering, when everything else is boring out there, they come here. Is that the only time we come to Jesus? Oh Lord, it's so boring out there. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad these guys are still here. I guess we're all bored. <laughs> we don't even approach church as, as a need to a point that like we need to work, right? Most of us still here are still working. Now, whether with the coronavirus uh, pandemic or not, we go to work. We risk it. We put our gloves on or our mask on. Keep our six feet distancing because we need to work. We need to work. And when it comes to church, I'll take the option. And that's fine. If you really think it, it, it's safer for you to be away, that's fine. But my question is, when you take the risk to go to work, but you don't take the risk for Jesus... That's when I have to ask, is it really for your safety? And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And then John 14, 15 reads, If you love me, keep my commandments. Now the question is, is Jesus the head of the church? If the answer is yes, then do we keep our eyes on him? Because what happened to Peter is, he started walking on water, but then the wind, the troubles of life, the troubles of life, the problems at the house, the problems with our children, the problems with our husband or our wife, our health issues, it started bothering us and we took our eyes away from Jesus because we started thinking about our own safety. Well, wait a minute, maybe God can't help me. Wait a minute, maybe God's not in control. And we start sinking. 
you know what? How gracious God is. If you are willing to look at Him again, He stretches His hand to you. And He just questions you. Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt me? And then the other thing is, if you love Him, you should keep His commandments. Now, there are many organized groups who call themselves churches who are not listening to the Lord Jesus. Let's not name them. Let's just think about them and make sure that we are not one of them. These churches are paralyzed. A body that can't move. You see, the most tragic sight is a child of God lying on a bed, helpless, as if his brain is detached from his body. There are many churches and many believers who act as if they are detached from Christ. Those are the churches that have compromised the truth of the Lord. Those detached from Christ are the ones who argue, debate with the truth of God and focus on exceptions than the general rule. Living in their darling sins despite knowing the truth of God is against their lifestyle. What are their life, those lifestyles? Let's just name it. When you live a homosexual life, and then you argue that the verse doesn't really say. God didn't say. Well, he created Adam and Eve. But then you have other translations that you think will say Adam and Steve. What are the other things? Like the, there are ones who violate the will of the Lord about sex. The sex can. God invented sex. God, God invented sex. Right? And it should be done only under the covenant of marriage. It should only be done under the covenant of marriage. And some have decided to continue to have sex or have sex outside marriage. And that is sin. Those detached from the church are the ones that say that they don't need a church to grow in their relationship with the Lord. Now, let me ask you something. If Christ died for the church and then you say you don't need the church, then... Who's the head? Who's the Lord between you and Jesus? Well, salvation has nothing to do with your church membership, um, our growth in our relationship with our Lord and Savior. Belonging to a church, a body of believers, is actually needed. It's needed. Now, we're going to be tackling what a church is in chapter, chapter 4, so we're not going to try to tackle that tonight, okay? John 15, 5 reads, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, when, when Jesus said that the church is, when Paul said that the church is the body of Christ, and you don't plug in yourself in a church, the body of Christ, a body of Christ, how are you remaining in Him too? Okay, you, you can read your Bible on your own. You can pray on your own. You have your quiet time. That's why it's called your quiet time, right? You have that, but then you just go with that? You, 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 you surround yourselves at work with your coworkers that are unbelievers and the talks that you have with them. You, you're immersed in that almost uh, six days a week. And then you have nothing to, to restore you after that? 
You don't come to church. You don't plug in with other believers in their small groups. You don't have a Bible study group. And you really think you can survive in a world that is against God, against our faith? You really think that you and you alone can actually survive in this world without the need of a body of believers? Well, Paul already said that the church is the body of Christ. And Christ is the head of the church. Now, if you want to remain, if you are Jesus is, if, if you believe that Jesus is your vine, you need to remain in Him. Now, could your lack of interest in belonging to a church or participating in the church have to do with the sin that you don't want to be, to, to get rid of? Could it, could it be that? Or, or, or how they put it now, because you don't want to be called out? Or to be put on blast. We know that sin removes our joy and sense of peace because God does not condone sin. He died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine. So we would think that Jesus takes sin seriously. Don't you agree? How can we possibly expect to grow when we don't want accountability from other believers? I mean, imagine. If, if you're going to walk this life, this Christian life, by yourself, who can actually, who will tell you that you're doing something wrong? Who? Who's going to tell you? So you mean to tell me that you can walk this life perfectly? Oh, no, no, I didn't say that. I just said that I can do it on my own. But then who's going to tell you that you're missing a step or two? Are we too comfortable? We're just being by ourselves, that we don't want other people to be added to our already busy schedule. You know, I shared the gospel when I was in Seattle many years ago to somebody, two people that are truly important to me. Supposedly, they accepted Christ, you know. They did. I brought them to church, to Pastor Dino's church. Some of you remember Pastor Dino? Um, if if I did not take a vote because I think you would have voted him to be the senior pastor and I would have been taken out <laughs> because he's such a great guy, you know. But I took him there, and they, that was their first and last attendance to that church. And I asked them why they don't want to belong to a church, and they said they're just too busy. They don't want to be involved in someone else's life and someone else to be involved in their life. They're just way too busy. And I said, well, you know, it'll be great because then you get to know more about the faith, the Jesus that you accepted. You will grow if, if you just get plugged in. You'll get to know and then you can bring your child to them. And then he would, he too will, will know about Jesus. But they said, no, we're, we're okay on our own. I can honestly say that they have grown in the relationship with Jesus. Now, look at here. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13, it reads, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Now, the name of the game, the name of the game is community. Community. 
We need one another. I get it. We are not a perfect bunch. I get it. The, 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 the thing for you is, you church members, you get to choose who your pastor will be and what church you belong to. So And then and be led by the Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Ask Him where He wants you to belong to. Ask Him where He wants you to submit, where He wants you to serve, and which body of that. And once you, once you join it, stay, and then grow. That's 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 your beauty. That's your that's your privilege. That's your gift. The pastors, on the other hand, we don't get to choose who our members are. That's right. We don't get to choose who the members are. So if you feel like you won't choose me as your pastor, then maybe, maybe, just maybe, you can visit other churches and look for a pastor that you would submit to. You look for a pastor, look for that church. Again, be led by the Spirit. Who, Lord, which body, Lord, do you want me to belong to? And then once God answers you, you need to stay because that's where you'll grow. I know we've said it many times. There is no perfect church. And if you find it, don't join it because then it will no longer be perfect. Because you were added. The church is the fullness of Him. The church is the fullness of Him. We need one another. We need to be with brothers and sisters who pray with us and with us who pray for us and with us and care about us because the more closely we're linked to the body, the more care clearly we'll experience the authority of Jesus' leadership. That's just the way it works. The church is the fullness of Him, which feels all in all. How can we be full of the Lord? The church is where the headship of Jesus will be enjoyed. You can say, I can study my Bible on my own, but that's not the heart of the Father any more than if I went home, if I went home and said, I told Gianna and Zoe, I go grab your plates, go to your room, and eat there. Eat dinner by yourselves. If Anna and I do that, Alonzo and Gianna will still get their nutrition. They'll still be okay. They'll be full. They would probably survive. But the heart of a true father is seeing his children. His family, together, interacting, sharing, loving, growing, learning from each other's story and experience, and laughing, and celebrating each other's victory, and crying, and sharing in each other's pain. That's what a family is. I hate eating alone. I'd rather share my food with 10 of you guys than eat alone. Personally, when I am here at church or with other church members, here or in other places, I feel complete. I feel like I've escaped the world that continuously threatens my faith. Whenever I come here on Wednesdays, I feel like it's a time for me to reload, to reload, to gas up, to charge up my batteries. Because that world out there is draining me. Everybody there is against me. At least when I'm here, only four of you is against me. <laughs> I'm kidding. 
Don't start thinking who are the four. No, no. <laughs> this with the people. When I'm talking to you guys, whether on the phone, texting, or I'm with you physically, that is where I feel at peace. Now, are there heartaches at church? Yes, unfortunately. But we have to jealously guard ourselves. We have to jealously guard ourselves and each other from the world. And how can we do that if we're not together? If we don't come together, if you don't belong to a church, how can you do that? I hope that your heart will look forward. I, I, I hope that your hearts will be changed to where you look forward to be with other believers. Not just when you need a prayer request, but because you're excited to pray for someone else. Not just because you need someone, you, need, you want some, somebody to pray for, because you're just excited to be with your brothers and sisters who share the same faith, who also has the same head which is Jesus Christ. You know, I read, I read my Bible, I study it, and I constantly pray. But I want to be with other believers physically as I feel God's love through, through each and every one of them. I somehow also hear His voice. Now, not audibly. <laughs> you guys will say, well, He's a saying something that's not true but somehow I feel God's voice through you guys when I'm talking with you when I'm talking to you when we're sharing stories and you will tell me your experience or your struggle and then how God spoke to you I hear God's voice for me and that helps me through my week or even through my own weakness I feel his love through some of you that is what a church is. That is what a church is. That's why Christ is the head of the church and the church is the body of Christ. I am reminded that the storms that threatens and meant to intimidate me are under the feet of the one who is the head of the body, his body. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for your message for us tonight. Thank you for reminding us of your power and your authority and that you are the head of the church and that you have chosen each and every one of us to be a part of, of this church and other churches, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we thought we can live our lives apart from you and apart from your body. May we heed to this truth of yours that we need your church in order for us to grow in our relationship with you as it also grow we also need it to grow with your people. We ask for your help for those who are in trouble, healing for those who are sick, comfort for those who are hurting. Revive those who have stumbled, Lord God, and Father, encourage those who are discouraged. Rescue us, Father. Strengthen us. Empower us. All of this we ask in your Son's mighty and powerful name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. 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 Let's all rise for the closing hymn.